Happy January and happy New Year's friends. It's Danielle and welcome to another episode of the She vs. Thrilled podcast. We have some big January energy going on in today's episode with today's guests. We are joined by Lauren Papanos. She is the founder and chief dietitian of Functional Fueling, which is a functional women's health nutrition agency who believes that your healthiest hormone balanced life is waiting for you. Um, I'd like to be part of this conversation, please. So what can we get from Lauren? Lauren is a registered dietitian nutritionist who holds a master's degree in integrative nutrition. She's also board certified specialist in sports dietetics. And I absolutely loved my conversation with Lauren because she was able to blend our love of fitness and sports. She's one of those athlete girls, just like I am with science. She loves nerding out. You guys know how much I love a good nerd out. And she brings some really incredible, applicable, simple tips that we can all integrate into our lives, that we can be healthier as women, so we can listen to our hormones, that we can really live, like she says, our very best life. So I'm going to leave the conversation to Lauren. She is incredibly smart. She's dynamic. She's fun. I cannot wait for you all to get to know her a little bit better and to just absolutely fall in love with everything that she stands for. So without further ado, happy January, friends. Let's kick off this new month with a big January energy. Welcome, Lauren, to the Shevers World Podcast. Welcome to the She vs. World podcast, because being a modern woman balancing a career, business, friendships, relationships, family, oh, and our own needs can sometimes feel like it requires superwoman level powers. I'm Danielle Stead-Blanton, athlete turned corporate attorney who left my completely unfulfilling career in a male-dominated industry to disrupt the space and build the table for women leaders in the health and wellness worlds to thrive. I've teamed up with some of the biggest household names from their starts and through their massive growths by providing business legal and operations consulting services, while also being their number one hype gal and sometimes the dose of tough love that only your best girlfriend can give you. On this show, I'm sharing everything I've learned along the way, both the practical business lessons to help your business thrive and the tough life lessons that ladies, we are just not talking about enough and need to be. And of course, I'm handing the mic off to some of the most inspiring and powerful women in our industries to share their stories and lessons too, because together we can conquer it all. Okay. So we are post Thanksgiving. How are you feeling? Did you enjoy the holiday with like extra food? What was your favorite part of it? Are you feeling festive? Talk to me, Lauren. Yeah, I feel festive for sure. Super excited to decorate all of the fun gold. I'm super into gold. It's like my thing, gold and and cream. Those are like my obsessions in life, you know? So um, my whole house is monochromatic. So I'm like, okay, how do I integrate Christmas decor and not go too far red or green, right? (laughs) But no, I'm super excited to decorate and everything. Um, Thanksgiving was good. I honestly like, I'm not a huge Thanksgiving food person. Like, I I don't know, like it's just kind of in its place for me, you know, like I'll, I'll have it, but I'm not, I'm not live or die by it. Like I don't even, yeah. I mean, I don't like stuffing. I don't like a lot of the traditional Thanksgiving food. So it's usually like turkey and cranberry are really what I'm excited about. So then like on Friday we went out to dinner and I had like a pizza and I was like, this probably Mm -hmm. is like, people are going to look at me and think that I'm like crazy. Um, even one of the guys we were with, he's like, I cannot eat pizza right now. I was like, I'm craving pizza because I like didn't have anything weird on Thursday, you know? 
Um, so yeah, I mean, just kind of like normal. And then we had prime rib for breakfast on Friday as well. And yeah, we like made, yeah, like had a lot of heavy stuff, but I honestly feel totally fine today. So, I mean, other than being a little bit under the weather, but who isn't right now, you know? I think we're all a little sniffly for sure. Um, as a dietitian, I'm kind of obsessed that you were like, I'm craving pizza. I'm going to have pizza. I'm going to have prime rib for breakfast. I I want to hear like, how did you arrive to this place where sometimes we maybe even like vilify the thought of like, I'm going to have pizza the day after Thanksgiving. And you're like, this is just what I want to do. Yeah. I'm honestly at the place in my life where I'm like, how, what is, how do I as many like fun things as I want to or like take as many days off from working out as like I need to while mm-hmm. also maintaining like the healthiest internal mental and physical health right and like it's been such a fun experiment over the years because I am very much a perfectionist like it's very much my tendencies and in my early 20s I was very much obsessed with like exercise eating so clean and just like really came from that mindset of like more is always better, right? Like the more that you can spend in the gym, the healthier you can eat, the better. And I feel like the last few years of my life, um, I've like been on this mission to like, how can I be at my healthiest, but also have the most like flexibility and freedom in my life? Oh my God, Lauren, I, I need to know more about this because <laughs> I think as a woman listening to this and as like a former athlete and just somebody who has like grew up in the nineties and diet culture. I, like I even told you before I started recording, I was so attracted to you as a human. Cause I was like, this girl just feels, I feel like she has such a good grasp and balance and calmness and peace around a topic that for a lot of women, we don't. So would you mind like stepping back, introducing us? You have so many letters and qualifications behind your name. I don't even want to butcher them. So I'm going to let you explain them to us. And just share a little bit about how you got to this point for us. Yeah, well, thank you so much for even having me and providing me this platform to share my story and just chat. And it's so exciting and I love it. And um, I mean, it really feels like my life's calling to me, honestly, because, you know, my story was it really started with like my own battles and like my own challenges that I dealt with at such a young age. And you know, I always knew that I wanted to study science. I've always been like, I remember when I was in second grade telling my mom I wanted to be like a female astronaut. Like I just was like super obsessed with science and always have been. I know, like I wrote her a letter and I was like, mom, I'm going to walk the moon. I'm going to be a female astronaut. And she was like, you do you girl. She would take me to the space museum. We'd get like frozen food all the time and like eat those like nasty frozen strawberries that are like, yeah. And she was like totally supportive of it. But I was just like, I was fascinated by science. I just thought it was so cool. And I just loved it. And then, you know, I was an athlete. So that also intrigued me even more where I was like, really fascinated by like, physical wellness and like pushing yourself. And, you know, I come from a very like blue collar family. My dad actually, you know, he had me in the gym when I was eight years old, teaching me how to lift weights. And like, I've been around weightlifting since I was eight. Like we were going to the gym, like bench pressing, pull-ups. Like some people would say that's not safe for, you know, a young kid that age. But like, it really, for me, I feel like it established so many good like habits and fundamentals in me. And like, it just really helped facilitate this relationship with like 
it is cool and it is badass to be a strong woman. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. my dad, he never said that outright to me. He never was like, you have to be strong. But like, he showed me that it was good to do and it was cool to do, you know? And so I've always wanted to be like strong and, you know, I've always admired that in women. And so, you know, I think that really kind of like created this platform for me when I was studying dietetics when I was an undergrad to um, kind of, you know, go come at things from like a different angle, you know, where I was like, women, you know, we can be strong and like, we don't have to fear having muscle and like, you know, this actually can be really powerful for us. And so like, I really started to get fascinated with the study of performance nutrition and sports nutrition. And then as I was in my master's degree in dietetic internship, I was interning at a functional medicine doctor's office. And I started to become super immersed in this like Eastern medicine functional approach. And I was like, this is so cool. Like now I'm really torn. How do I integrate this like Eastern medicine philosophy, but like also helping people like understand, you know, performance and like really optimizing their well-being from like a physical angle. And so that was when I also was dealing with my own hormone issues. Um, You know, it was my doctor really had no idea what was going on. I hadn't had a period in four years. They were like, this isn't a classical like female athlete triad hypothalamic amenorrhea case. You're not exercising that much. I take, they put me on like a year long break from training. Uh, you know, I was eating so much that it was like uncomfortable. And so it was like, you know, why are you not responding to the normal treatments? And I was just getting so frustrated, you know, like thinking into the future of like, okay, eventually I want to have kids. I don't have a menstrual cycle. You know, I feel like crap every day. I've got all these digestive symptoms. And I, here I was, it was like 21 years old. And just so incredibly frustrated. And at that time, I also didn't have like the money to be, you know, getting all this like advanced testing done and like going to all these, you know, Eastern medicine type professionals, they don't take insurance and things. So I just asked the doctor I was interning under, I was like, is there anything you can do to help me? Like, I don't have the money to be able to pay for all of this. But like, is there anything you could recommend? And he was so generous. He was like, I will run all of these like labs on you. And he did like all of the functional in-depth labs for me. And like, he didn't charge me a single dime. And I remember him telling me when we got the labs back, he was like, this is the treatment we're going to try. I've never tried it on anyone before. Um, but if you're open to it, you'll be the first person. And I just like trusted him so much because I felt like he cared about me as a person. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he was really intelligent. And so I was like, let's do it. Like at this point, I have to just figure out what's going on, you know? And within six months, I had got my period back. And like a lot of my symptoms I was having had resolved. And so I was like, oh my God, this is magic. You know, like this is a miracle. And so then I had set out into my career to start as a performance dietitian, but I continued to like keep immersing myself and learning about endocrinology and hormones and, you know, women's health and, you know, attending like all of these conferences and doing all of this advanced education because I just like really wanted to understand it more like not on a sense of how do I understand how to teach someone how to eat for hormones? Like I want to understand how the freaking ovaries are like making all these eggs. And like, I want to understand like the physiology behind how all this is happening, you know? And I just became like really obsessed with understanding all that and started to integrate it with, you know, clients I was working with. Um, You know, I started out my career. I was working at UCLA. I was overseeing the nutrition program there and I was dealing with tons of female athletes that were coming through me, coming through my door with a lot of these same issues and was working with a medical team on them. And I had the luxury to work with a really 
awesome physician who is one of the leaders in the um, female athlete triad space. And she taught me a bunch um, more on the conventional side, but I learned so much from her. And I really just kept like integrating all these things that I was learning. And eventually I ultimately decided to leave college athletics and, you know, go full into private practice. And that was a few years ago. Um, But it's really just been like this involvement of like, how can I help women that are really not getting the answers that they deserve? And how can I do it in a way that isn't just like, here's the protocol, here's the plan, here's the science of what to do. But like, I want to take you in as like my sister, right? And like, help you heal and like, support you. And, um, and it's just like, I just really try to have such a deeper relationship with my clients than just like a patient provider relationship, you know, of course, with boundaries, but um, because I just think there's so much more to physical health than just protocols and science and jargon, you know? One of the things that I like can't stop thinking about as you're talking is like, I grew up playing sports as well. And I like never had a period. And I remember a doctor telling me, you're so lucky. Don't worry. It'll come and you'll be so upset that you weren't happier that you didn't have it for so many years. Right. And it's like, that was our generation. That's how we grew up. And now the product of that generation, like women like you who are thoughtful and curious are like, this is not right. Like, how do I fix this? And I think that is so amazing for this next generation of young women that people like you took the time to understand what is happening. Like, why the heck do I not have this like natural occurrence happening? And now you're helping people fix it. Like that's incredible. I wish I had a you when I was in my teens and my twenties. Yeah. And that's, what's so hard is that that really is the language and sport, you know, and I mean, I even saw it when I was working athletics, you know, and it's, it's definitely that, but I'm actually speaking at a um, conference tomorrow at UCLA where I used to work mm-hmm. and they're bringing me in as like, you know, a hormone specialist because the female athletes want to learn about their hormones now. And I'm like, this is so cool that it really is changing. Like they sought me out to come in and talk about this when, you know, five years ago when I was working there, it wasn't even something on their radar, you know? Yeah. Which I guess I was going to say, like, tell me how you feel like the the state of like the athletic industry and the wellness industry has approached like female hormones and female health as it relates to overall health. Have you seen that like evolution in the past few years? Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot more recognition of it now and a lot more understanding, um, but almost... I think we have to be careful with it, right? Because we don't want to blame everything on hormones, right? Um, We don't want hormones to be like, oh, I just, I feel cruddy today. It's my hormones, right? Like we want to be empowered by hormones. We want to say, oh, I'm on my period. This is what's happening internally. And this is how I can support my body, right? Like that's really the angle we want to come at things from. And so I do think that we have to shift the conversation a little bit more into like this place of empowerment rather than this place of just like understanding and then like villainizing the hormones, if you will. Right. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely evolving. And, um, you know, I even know like with my husband, he's, you know, in the strength conditioning field, um, you know, like we've put together a program that's workouts for women that are dealing with hormone imbalances and conditions because of all the years we spent trying to figure out how to adjust my programming. Cause I was like, I want to train hard. Like I want to work out hard because it makes me feel 
badass. Like I feel strong. I love doing this, but I also want to keep my hormones healthy. Like how do we strike this balance, you know? And, you know, so even with him, like he, I see is like having these conversations more with his, his clients and he's educating more of his peers on like, Hey, these are some of the things you need to be careful about. Like you don't even necessarily go to your client and like ask her like, Hey, are you on your period? But definitely being mindful of like her evolving hormones throughout the month as you're like programming her volume and intensity into her cycle, you know? Will you say more about that, please? Because I kind of understand candidly, but like I started getting into understanding cycle syncing with weightlifting because I do heavy strength training. And then Mm -hmm. as you all know, I am now pregnant and by the time this comes out, we'll have a child. And so I never really (laughs) was able to really dive into it, but it's something I'm so interested in. Like when can I lift the heaviest? When should I be pulling back? When, when can I be doing high intensity, low intensity? Like if this was something that I wanted to dive into, what is like a two minute crash course or three minute crash course that you could share with us about that? Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest things that I've learned from him have been the organization of the way you structure things. So like the biggest things for supporting your hormones is first and foremost is not mixing stressors. So not doing aerobic or, you know, um, cardio on the same day or in the same workout, you are resistance training because they're sending mixed signals and you're not getting the best hormonal response from that. It can also create quite a bit of a cortisol response. So you really want to separate your workouts and, Um, One of the things that we've kind of done with my own training is like really trying to keep things at like one end of the spectrum or the other. So it's like low and slow conditioning um, or it's like sprints or resistance training that's heavy. Right. Um, So I do very little intervals anymore. Um, I do a little bit here and there, but it's like when I'm in the, which we'll talk about, right. The best phase of my cycle to be able to handle that. Um, So I think that's a big one. Um, I think secondly also is I know I came from, you know, my dad, like I said, he taught me how to lift and my dad's more like bodybuilding. He reads like bodybuilding magazine. And so his workouts are like upper lower split. He hardly ever does any leg days. So it was mostly the way that I was resistance training was I was lifting heavy, but I was doing like triceps and biceps one day. And then I was doing like, you know, hamstrings and glutes the next day. Right. And so one of the things that we kind of changed about that was, um, doing full body lifts. So when you are lifting, you know, it is a blend of, you know, a squat, a deadlift, a press, a push, um, and then a little bit of like some accessory exercises. And that's really like all you need, you know? So, and then of course, allowing like a day or two days in between to fully recover. I think that that's really important as well for the hormonal response, but you're definitely going to get the best hormonal response by doing a full body lift like that and separating those two stressors. Um, and then I would say in terms of like your cycle phases, when you're a couple of days out of your period, so you know typically the first day of your period is going to be a little bit of inflammation. You're probably not going to feel super energized to lift super heavy. Um, but by day two, day three, you really are hormonally in the best position to be pushing yourself. That is when some women make like the most workout PRs during mm-hmm. that time because you're in a very low hormone state. Your estrogen is just starting to build. Um, but really in that first couple of days of your period, so about like day two, day three, all the way up until ovulation is really when you're in the best place to be able to really push yourself, do higher intensity, push yourself with the weights and, you know, maybe even do like those interval workouts like I was talking about. I'm really curious your opinion because I feel like, and this is obviously like to note with no shade to any one, any workout, any brand, any, anything. And like, I'm also very guilty of all of this, but 
hit workouts like had such a moment and I think are still having moments, right? Where you come in and you push yourself as hard as you can and as heavy as you can, you get sweaty and breathless and then you go home feeling dead tired because for 45 minutes you just killed yourself. How are you seeing those play in to like women, especially doing those type of workouts? What's the impact of it? What are your thoughts on it? And again, this is no shade because I used to teach those workouts and like I used to do those workouts. And for me now, they're not my favorite. They don't feel good. But I think that they're still really revered by people. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, you know, a short period of time that you can get a lot of work done, right? So I think that people love them because of the efficiency. But, you know, I don't think that HIT itself is destructive to hormones. I think that it's the environment people are doing HIT in. And it's other things that are around the HIT. It's that people are waking up at 5 a.m., going to a HIT workout without any food in their stomach, only drinking coffee prior, jacking up their cortisol levels, then jacking them up again in the workout, and then not having breakfast for three hours afterwards, and then potentially also being in a caloric deficit and running around like a mad woman, right, with all their meetings and family things they have going on. I think it's 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 not the hit itself, but I think that a lot of people, like I always say, is like, can you can you actually handle that type of workout intensity in this current moment of your life? Like I think you really have to ask yourself that question, you know? And like anytime I've ever trained for anything competitively, I've always had to like sit down and have a serious conversation with myself of like, you're going to have to pull back a little bit on work. You're going to have to really like stay on top of your nutrition even further. Like you're not always going to want to eat this. You're going to have to make sure you eat it. You know, like you really have more of like a responsibility when you want to train harder. And if you just have too much going on in your life, which a lot of people do and a lot of people don't want to, you know, make that many sacrifices for it, omit the hit, you know, like do some things that work with your body and with your lifestyle a little bit better for that time being doesn't mean you can't ever do it again. But I think that a lot of these workouts are like a time and a place. I mean, that's why competitive, you know, professional athletes don't have full-time jobs, right? It's like, that is their full-time job because there's so many resources that are going towards, I mean, even if they're only training for an hour, two hours a day, still a lot of resources that are being diverted towards that. It's so funny that you say that because it's like when I was running marathons, like really consistently, I was running like six, seven marathons a year. It was my social life. It was like, because you couldn't go out the night before because you needed to sleep. You had to like eat within certain windows. It was your whole day. You had to, to train, you had to nap afterwards. So I love that your perspective is it's not necessarily the workout. It's the lifestyle that you're building around it. Also, that's, that's like what's really impactful or detrimental or beneficial even. Totally. Yeah. And I just think with today's like culture and day and age is just most people don't have the lifestyle to be able to support doing that type of workout really consistently, nor like have the time allotment in their day to do it at like the right time of day and eat all the things around it and so on and so forth, you know? Yeah, totally. So if I was like, for example, a new client and I was coming to you and I was like, Lauren, I have, you know, all these symptoms, but I really want to work out still. And I love being active, but I'm tired, but I'm this and that. What is it like to get to work with someone like you? What is your approach? I think the thing when people, when people think about like hiring a professional, I think that when people think about hiring like a hormone dietitian, a registered dietitian, there's connotations to it. Walk me through the client journey, which I also loved what you said earlier. It's like, I'm your sister. I want to just take care of you. What can we expect? Like what myths can you debunk about working with a dietitian that can make us realize how beneficial a relationship with you is. 
Yeah, I think that's a good question too, because I think there is a lot of fears around it for someone. Um, you know, I hear a lot from people of like, this isn't the right time and place for me, or like sometimes we'll even get into the process of working together and they're like, oh, I just have so much travel coming up. Like I really should have just waited to like start working together until I was done traveling or until I didn't have like all these work things going on. I was like, no, 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 this is great. Like you have to, you can't heal in a bubble, right? Because that's not true healing. That's like conditional healing, right? We really have to be doing something that we can do in the background while we are still living our lives. Because if you, I'm working with you and I'm here telling you that you can go out to dinner with your friends, you know, you shouldn't be traveling, you know, and you're giving up all these things, like what good is that? Because then when you go back to that lifestyle, you're not going to continue to feel as good as you do. This isn't going to be sustainable for you, right? So I think it is really important that when we look at healing, we're not trying to find the perfect scenario to do it. Instead, we're asking ourselves, like, is this the right time emotionally and like mentally for me to be able to take time to devote to myself? Because there is a little bit of selfishness that is involved when you are going through your own personal healing journey, right? Um, just in terms of not necessarily always a time commitment, although sometimes there is, um, but more so just like thinking about yourself more, like, you know, asking yourself a question of like, how do I want to feel today? Or like, I don't want to do that because I don't want to feel that way anymore, right? And so I think that with that, sometimes maybe it might feel a little bit selfish because you're starting to actually make decisions that are for your higher self rather than just making decisions because that's what others around you are doing or what they want you to do. You'd be surprised as to like, even as adults, how much we fall into peer pressure with things, right? But you know, when, I, when I'm working with someone, they typically will come to me and they have some pretty complex hormone situations going on, whether it's you know, they've got a bunch of symptoms like acne or hair loss or, you know, uh, maybe like metabolic issues going on. Um, or maybe they have a hormone condition like PCOS or amenorrhea, endometriosis, or maybe it's someone who's like wanting to get pregnant and, you know, really just needs to understand like what that time frame should kind of look like and um, how to balance and nourish our body to be able to get there. You know, those are all kind of different scenarios of where someone might come to me. And, so typically I'm, I'm really trying to figure out when we first start working together is like, okay, what's the starting place? Like, why is there this imbalance going on? You know, like, why are your hormones dysfunctioning? Because the hormones are never the root cause, right? Like they're just the messengers. They're kind of like the whispers that are saying there is imbalance going on in my liver, in my gut, in my um, energy needs, right? Like they're just the whispers that are communicating with what's actually going on. And so really what I'm trying to understand first and foremost is what additional testing do we need to be able to identify that person's root causes of their hormone imbalance? And then once we get that information, then I'm facilitating a healing journey. So, you know, what that looks like is kind of, you know, a timeline of like, okay, this is how long, you know, we're working together. This is how long I ideally think that this is going to take based off of your individual situation. And, you know, this is where we need to support your body in each of these different sessions that we are meeting to be able to elicit healing and rebalancing the body to where we want to ultimately go. But, you know, with that comes a lot of, you know, behavioral change and a lot of like change around the way that your lifestyle is being set up. You know, like I can think of a client that I've worked with for so long and she's had such great results but because she has changed so much, like she feels like such a different person than she did when we first started, she 
it needs so much support and being able to um being able to like accept this new version of herself, right? Really being able to like step into this version of herself and not feeling selfish with some of these changes that she's made that maybe sometimes she has let, she has, you know, decreased friendships or um, people don't understand, you know, why she has so much more confidence now than she used to, right? So I think that there's just like so much that can come up for someone when they are going through a healing journey that, as I mentioned earlier, it can't just be about like, the bio, you know, chemical changes that are happening, there really has to be this like holistic approach to the entire healing process. Something you just said that was like very, not triggering, but very like enlightening to me is like when you're going through like a healing journey, it's also like a mental journey. And it's also a social journey where it's almost like you become this highest, best version of yourself. And it's also weird to see people who don't want to support that highest best version of yourself do you ever encounter that with clients yeah totally yeah and you know I always tell them like hey I'm not I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen you know but you have to find that for yourself too you know I'm never telling someone that they need to make this change and they need to get rid of this friendship because it's a bad influence on them I have no idea who this friendship is or what they mean to them you know what I mean um but I do know when something doesn't feel aligned because someone isn't supporting you and your goals and when they don't want the best for you, I think that that's evident. I think we can all feel that, you know? Oh my God. And I, I feel that way with business. I, I'm, I'm sure you have felt that way at some point in your business journey. I feel that way with everything is like this interesting thought of like healing mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it is, or like rising up to become like the highest version of yourself it's wild to think that people don't want that for you. And as a practitioner, and for me, like as a business coach, when I talk to people and they're like, well, my friends don't, you know, think working with business coach is smart or my significant other, or it's, it's like so hard as a practitioner and supporter when your clients aren't supported. I don't know if you've experienced that ever, but I think like, especially for me, when I watch like my clients, tell me like that their friends or their significant others don't want, for example, like their business to be successful. It's almost like the people in their life are self-sabotaging them. Totally. Well, I think that people project, you know, their own insecurities, right? So when we're doing the inner work to become the highest versions of ourselves and heal, if the people closest in our life aren't doing that as well, they'll start to project their insecurities onto us, you know? And unfortunately, that's just the way that it goes. And so we really have to be, for people that are closest in our life, especially whether that's like a spouse, significant other, doing that healing work kind of alongside each other, or at least being like, you know, skin in the game together to some extent, understanding what that person's going through. Because if not, then it can feel very isolating because, you are continuing to work on bettering yourself and the people around you maybe aren't. Let me ask you this, Lauren, what has your entrepreneurial business journey been like? Because it sounds like you started in like a traditional role, but then went off and started your own practice. How has that been? I always love asking, especially women, how has that been starting your own practice and now growing it, having other dietitians that work with you, having a team that supports you and your clients? Like, can you talk a little bit about that too? Yeah. So I started my practice when I was actually in grad school and it was very much just like a little dream at the time. Um, just was, 
you know, I've always been really entrepreneurial and come from an entrepreneurial family. And so just really wanted to like have something of my own, you know? And so when I was working in college athletics, I thought that I wanted to originally work in professional sport. And so, you know, I was just doing my practice on the side, kind of just consulting here and there as like referrals would come across my desk that were, you know, not within the athletic departments I was working in. Um, and so I would do it a little bit. And then eventually I like had this really strong pull that I wanted to make a bigger difference in people's lives. Like I wanted to um, really help women that were not just in sport, that were dealing with hormone imbalances and conditions in all realms. And so that was when I took the leap of faith to leave athletics and completely like kind of redirect in a way, you know, and really go like full into my private practice. So it was really scary because you know, I really had no promise that it was going to work out just like none of us do whenever we first start our, our businesses, right? But I just knew that I was going to make it happen, that it was just something I felt so strong in my heart. And so it was such a hard decision to do because it was like, you've spent so many years of your career, like getting to where you are thinking that like your dream was to work in professional sport and like, you're just going to let that go why would you do that? Like for some people, this is their dream job. And I just ultimately made the decision. I was like, this isn't what's filling my cup anymore. Like I, I just know that this isn't my calling anymore. And so, you know, I just trusted that my gut was, was right. And so that's when I left and it was scrappy. I mean, you know, the first couple months were definitely scrappy. I was, you know, kind of saying yes to everything and was just trying to, you know, make ends meet really. And, um, just kind of make it work. And it, it just did, you know, eventually it did. I mean, by three months in, I had my first assistant, you know, and it really was just like following my passion of like what I love to do and sharing it. I mean, I was like always sharing it. I remember people would always like respond to me on Instagram and be like, I just love how passionate you are about what you do. Like they didn't even want to work with me. They were just like, you're just so passionate, you know? And I'm like, gosh, that's kind of embarrassing. Like, is it really that evident? But um, I guess it was, you know, I mean, not that embarrassing. It's always good when someone's passionate, but like the fact that they could tell through like an Instagram story or something, I was like, okay, you might need to like take a little chill pill here. Um, but yeah, like I was just like so geeked up on it, you know? And I just kind of kept putting one foot in front of the other and just like, you know, kept, as I kept growing, like hiring people that could help direct me into like what I need to be doing next, or like, I know asking for support in different areas. And I've made so many failures. I have, I don't think people talk about in business enough, like how many hard seasons sometimes we go through. Like, Uh I mean, I was like going through my camera roll today, trying to find pictures for my sister's birthday and like found a couple of like me just like in tears in my car. And like, I know they were all like business related, you know, like, it's just like some days are really freaking hard. Like some months are really hard and some decisions we make are not the right ones. And there's just no way to slice or dice it. Like we just, we, we mess up sometimes. We don't know, but I think that every bad decision, it teaches us something. It, even if it doesn't get you closer to where you want to go, it gets you further away from where you don't want to go. Right. And that's just like what I've really learned over time. And I just try to be patient with myself. And like, at this point, I'm really trying to, set aside and like put a close on the chapter of like my perfectionism. Cause I think that, you know, as I mentioned, like that had such a big bearing on the way that I lived my life and also the way that I ran my business the first couple of years. And I feel like in the last year, like I've really just devoted myself to like doing so much inner work to try to like somewhat leave that version of me behind and just be like more authentic and like also more accepting of like, I can, 
not feel great today and not have to show up. Like I can cancel things and not feel bad about it. You know, like I don't always have to be this perfect business owner that in my head, I think I need to be. Mm, That is so valuable to say that out loud and to hear that from somebody who I respect tremendously is that like, you don't, we don't share our failures, but like we know our failures or we'll maybe tell people them privately. But I, I have learned that like wearing my failures is almost like a badge of honor to be like, yeah, I royally fucked this up or I hit bottom or I had a, I made a horrible decision and it blew up in my face. Like, I think that the more we can stop showing up so like feeling like we show, show up so perfectly on the online, you know what I mean? Like it, it started with me with like social media and being like, do you have makeup on today? Okay. You can go on stories. And then just being like, okay, so who are we helping by pretending that everything works out perfectly, especially in business versus who are we helping by being like, here's a terrible experience I had. I hope everyone can learn from me instead. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, and I think that we, we, we need to hear that more because especially when like, it's so hard to, I remember a couple months ago, I was like going through such a hard season. Like I just was feeling like I had no direction feeling like, what am I doing anymore? <laughs> like, we all go through those seasons. We were just like, yeah. so confused. And it was like, if you looked on paper, it was like, I had everything I needed. But like, in my mind, I was like, so frustrated but I didn't want to show up on social media and tell people because then everyone's going to message you and say, Oh, I'm so sorry. Or they're going to feel like good about it that you feel like crud, you know? And so like, it's just such an isolating experience when you go through those seasons. And that's when I was like, okay, I got to get back in therapy. Like I need to like actually like have like constructive conversations with someone about this because this cannot just be something that's like in the background of my mind. And I'm like, using social media as like my therapist, like my gosh, come on, you know? <laughs> you and I are the same person. It's so funny that you even say that. Cause like, I, I feel like, I feel like the more that I can show up and be like, Hey guys, like when you and I met Lauren earlier this year, I was coming out of like a really bad career decision. And mm-hmm. I remember being like so embarrassed by it. And now I'm just like, that was hysterical. And like, what a bullet I dodged. But to, to then be able to tell people I've made a mistake too. So then you can come to me when your business shit hits the fan and you can feel good about the, I'm not going to judge you. I've been in your shoes before, or I'm not going to judge you as a health practitioner because I went through this as well. And I think that if we can like be more transparent about that, then it also makes us better at our jobs and that makes us better to our clients. That makes us better community leaders and, and everything. And, um, I, I don't know. I've just, at this point, I'm like, well, if you're all going to judge me for messing up, then I hope your glass house is perfectly pristine. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No one's is, you know, it's just that we don't see that side, but yeah, I think it's, you know, all we see with, with people on social media and business, you know, coaches or, you know, business people, especially is the successes, you know, like everyone tells you, oh, like I, you know, built a million dollar business and, you know, 12 months or whatever. And yeah. it's like, okay, but what else flopped during that time? Like, you can't just tell me that you like landed on a million dollars in 12 months and there was like no challenges or struggles or no buildup to that, you know? Like we just, we all know, because we, if you've been in business, you know that it's not a clear path. No, not at all. And that would actually, that's going to be my like next slash last big question for you is you work with women and you see women at some of their most fragile, some of their most sensitive 
what is advice that you would give to modern women these days as they are approaching their health, their mental and physical, their wellness practices, maybe even entrepreneurship? What do you wish more women knew as they were coming to that table? I wish more women asked themselves every single day, how do I want to feel? Mm. And what can I do out of love for my body? Like out of true love, you know, for your physical and emotional, spiritual body, all of it. Because I just truly think that our culture, so many decisions, especially around the way that you eat, are coming from a place of like restriction. How do I like make this healthier? How do I omit this food? How do I cut calories here? How do I not do this type of thing? You know, how do I work out more? It's just like, it's constantly like, how can you do more? How can you restrict? How can you, you know, find ways to make it harder on you rather than like asking yourself of like, what do I actually want? Like, what do you mean? Like, what's going to make me happy? And that might look different every single day, you know? Um, but I also think that when we do things out of a place of like taking care of ourselves, we get such better results and it's so much healthier for us. Like, for example, If I'm going through a bad season, which we all do, and I'm not going to say that I'm perfect, I go through times where I'm like, my body doesn't feel great right now. Like, I feel a little bit not ideal, not optimal, right? Like, I know that I felt better about my physical body. Those seasons happen. But my old language to myself used to be like, what can I cut back on that I'm currently eating? Mm -hmm. Or what can I add to my workouts? And my language now, and it's been this way for the last couple of years, is like, how can I take care of myself more? Right. Because like, if we ask that question of like, like when I ask myself that question, I'm like, okay, I can stop like drinking as much on the weekends. Like I can, you know, stop eating these things that are making my stomach hurt. Like, you know what I mean? It's like kind of asking, it's answering the same question as you did before, but like you're doing it in such a better way for you. And it just feels so much better than like asking the former. I'm literally writing this down on a post-it note that I'm putting on my desk. How can I <laughs> myself more? I can't think of a better question because you're right. Like as soon as we think like, oh, I, you know, I actually had pizza this weekend as well. And I was like, oh, I'm so bloated. I need to go sweat this out. It's always, always the additive of like, what else I need to do? Yeah. I need to do, I need to do. And it was never a like, how can I just feel better? And I think that that is something that we've been so conditioned as women to like, how can I fit myself into this perfect box? Versus how can I make the box fit me instead? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you might have done something similar. Like you might, if you asked yourself that question, you probably would have been like, I'm going to have tons of vegetables my next meal because they make me feel so energized. I'm going to like go in the sauna because it makes me feel like so good afterwards. So it's like, you're still doing something to support your health, but like you're doing it from a place of abundance and love, not from a place of like, I feel cruddy. How can I punish myself? You know? Yes. No, I, I literally, this post-it note is going to change my, my entire world. I just want you to know. <laughs> um, Maybe I should get them professionally done. <laughs> you should actually get some swag branded. Yes, I think you should. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll um, add that to the business queue. Right. Not that you don't have a million other things to do. Like I know you have a client right now. You're about to go keep changing people's lives and impacting a million women out there. But I would love if you could just share with everyone really quickly, and we will also tag in the show notes. How can people get in touch with you? How can people work with you? What are different programs you offer? Really quickly, uh, pimp yourself out, share everything so that we can get in touch with you and your magic. Yes, 
So if you're just someone who's really looking to understand your hormones more and you want to understand what that looks like, like how you should be eating, how you should be exercising, um, and the resources of how to implement that, then I have a group monthly program and that's called Strength and Hormones. And that is where all that magic happens. And then if you're someone who's like, no, I've got some, you know, serious symptoms going on, no doctor can figure it out, and I'm ready to get some answers and take some more natural methods to healing things through the way that I eat, exercise, supplements, all that good stuff, then that's really what my one-on-one coaching is for. And so that you can learn more about over my website, which is functionalfeeling.com. I also have a podcast that's called the Strength and Hormones Podcast. And we're taking a little break right now, but we'll be back in 2023 with some exciting episodes. So yeah, those are all the resources. And then I'm on Instagram at Nutrition with Low. Would love to come meet you over there. And, um, you know, I'm trying to give myself a little bit of grace with Instagram these days and not trying to show up as much. So although some people are like, oh, yeah, you can find information for me every day. I will not tell you that you can. Um, But, you know, when it feels right and I feel called to share, then I do. And if it doesn't feel right, I give myself as much grace as possible and just rest and drink some water. (laughs) I think we can all learn so much from that. There is literally no better way to end it. I know you are going to go have an awesome client session right now. So thank you so, so, so much. I'm so appreciative for you and to know you. And you are just someone who I look up to so much. So thank you for sharing your magic and your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so wonderful. Of course. Thanks for listening to the She First World podcast. If you loved it, and we hope you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast send this to a friend and share us on social tagging me at danielle.stead. Until next time, talk soon besties.